Good evening. Uh, welcome to session nine of the recovery course. And tonight's talk is entitled Getting Ready. And we're going to be looking at step six. And step six says this. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And with that, we've put a verse from the Old Testament, from a book about a guy called Jonah, and he wrote this. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you. Those who cling to worthless idols forget the grace that could be theirs. Let's quickly review what we've achieved so far. We have now taken some pretty monumental steps towards our recovery. Over the last couple of months, we've been facing up to our denial, admitting that we're powerless to control our addictive behaviours by our own willpower alone, and that, as a result, our lives have become unmanageable and been running increasingly out of control, which is step one. It's all about denial. Then in step two, we've also come to see that while we may not be certifiably insane, many of our actions and decisions have not been those of someone we would consider a sane person. And that it's only with the power of God that we have any real hope of getting out of this mess that we have created. We have admitted that we have a problem and that in and of ourselves we are powerless to deal with it. That brought us on to step three, where we have also been encouraged to believe that God can and does help us if we are prepared to seek him and turn our will and life over to his care. Then three weeks ago, we began writing what is called a moral inventory, a list uh, and of all the areas of uh, resentment that we have held, all those areas of shame in our life we, that have uh, cling to us and, and uh, make us anxious and fearful. And we've been encouraged in step five to confess all that stuff that's written down on that list to God and another person we trust. And the consequences of step five, once we've completed it, is that we are now beginning to be set free from the things in our lives that have enslaved us. When we start bringing out into the light those things that we have shrouded in darkness all of our lives, they begin to lose their power over us. And we begin to appreciate, deep within us, God's promise that, it comes from 2 Corinthians, St Paul wrote this, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone the new has come. Now, if we have managed to do all of this so far, to the best of our ability, quite frankly, we can now breathe a deep sigh of relief. Because, quite frankly, by the time we get to step five, I think it's fair to say that the worst is over. Having said that, we have actually only got tonight to the halfway point. And so we need to conscientiously push on. I strongly believe that there is little point in persevering 
with recovery unless the end result is becoming whole, happy, healed individuals with joy being the hallmark of our lives. In the James Bond movie, uh, The World is Not Enough, there is a line that's said by one of the actors, says this, there's no point living if you can't feel alive. What is the point of doing this course if the end result is a life in which we endlessly and grimly wrestle with self-denial and abstinence, where we are as miserable in recovery as we were when we were indulging our addictions. On the contrary, our expectation should be uh, like that of King David, who, who wrote a number of the Psalms. Uh, and in the Psalms, he wrote this, "'You turned my wailing into dancing. "'You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy.'" Word joy is actually mentioned in the Bible nearly 250 times. Therefore, it is reasonable to expect joy to run through every Christian's life. If we are in a relationship with our higher power, with God, joy will be the hallmark of our life. In recovery, it's not enough to just change our behaviour while leaving our inner person unchanged. If the object of the exercise is to merely alleviate some of the consequences of our addiction, then that is not a very high goal. We need to deal with the fundamental addiction issue, which is an inward spiritual bankruptcy. And step six points us towards some of the changes that are needed. Let's just quickly remind ourselves again what step six says. It says, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Now, what does this mean in practice? What are these defects of character? Steps four and five will already have given us some indication of what these defects are, and the original pioneers of the 12 steps also came up with a relatively small list that they believed prevent us from living lives that are rewarding and satisfying. They, uh, the originators highlight, highlighted these defects of character. They said they are fear, selfishness, resentment, envy, self-will, dishonesty, excessive pride or self-importance, what they called, um, rather old-fashioned word, hubris, but it means excessive pride or self-importance, self-pity, insecurity, and an unwillingness to take responsibility for our own lives. And with these defects rooted in our personalities, not only do they prevent us from getting well, but if they remain, they will ultimately lead us into relapse. Having recognised these selfish attitudes, we must then be ready to let them go. But that is not 
quite as easy as it sounds. As addicts, we know only too well that even though we may not like our addiction, we are more terrified of falling into the big black hole we believe is waiting for us once the addiction has gone. And we prefer the familiar to the unfamiliar and to a degree are happy with the security of the misery we know rather than the insecurity of the unfamiliar future that we don't know. The good news is that because this course is spiritually based, it is more than capable of filling that spiritual void that's left by the removal of our compulsive behaviours. And for each and every one of the defects in our character, which are fear, selfishness, resentment, envy, self-will, dishonesty, excessive pride or self-importance, self-pity, insecurity, and an unwillingness to take responsibility for ourselves, for every single one of those, there is an opposite quality available to us through God's Spirit. And we shall look at these next week in step seven. But what about this week? Step six can be paraphrased as, I am ready to submit to God and let him make any changes to my character that he wishes to make. That is also easier said than done. All of us would no doubt be extremely willing to have certain character defects removed, and without delay, but all defects. When we first decided to come on this course, we had probably reached the point where we longed to stop drinking, taking drugs, binging, gambling, or feeling the compulsion to log on to internet porn. We were prepared to do anything to be freed from those things. But are we willing to stop putting ourselves first in everything? Are we willing to stop wanting everything done the way we want it done? Are we willing to stop lying and to start telling the truth at all times, not just when it suits us? Are we prepared to let go of our resentments? And, and let's be honest, it's not easy. And the first thing we need to remind ourselves is that God never forces us or imposes his will on us. Remember step three? We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. He waited for us to invite him into our lives, and in this step, it is exactly the same. We need to be entirely ready. He's not going to come in and start removing character defects until we ask him to. In the Alcoholics Anonymous book, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, it talks about what they call the key of willingness. And it says this, all we need is a key and the decision to swing the door open. There is only one key, 
and it is called willingness. Once unlocked by willingness, the door opens almost of itself. And looking through it, we, sh we shall see a pathway beside which is an inscription. And it reads, this is the way to a faith that works. And it goes on. To every worldly and practical-minded beginner, this step looks hard, even impossible. Fortunately, we who have tried it, and with equal misgivings, can testify that anyone, anyone at all, can begin to do it. We can further add that a beginning, even the smallest, is all that is needed. That's the first thing. The second thing, having released control, we need to take it slow and steady. Once again, in 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, it says this, once we have placed the key of willingness in the lock and have the door ever so slightly open, we find that we can always open it some more. Though self-will may slam it shut again, as it frequently does, it will always respond the moment we again pick up the key of willingness. It's important that we remind ourselves that recovery is not a series of quick fixes, where with each passing week we, we press a step button and that resolves one set of issues and then we hurtle on to the next one. We then press 12 buttons in quick succession a new life is guaranteed. I wish it worked like that, but it doesn't. Although the course operates within a specific time frame, in the case of the recovery course, 16 weeks, God doesn't work within specific time frames. Our responsibility is to give God the space to work and he guarantees to get on with it in his own time. On this course, we are not merely asking God to deal with the addiction. We are asking him to deal with the character defects that are causing the addiction. Our addictions and compulsive behaviours are just the symptoms of a much deeper malaise. Let's use the analogy of weeds in a garden. If a gardener wishes to produce a healthy and abundant crop of flowers or vegetables, he's advised to dig up any weeds by their roots. And if he doesn't get the roots out, then the weeds will keep coming back to choke the plants. My addictions and compulsive behaviours are the weeds that will keep growing and reappearing to choke my life, unless the roots are dug up. It is the roots, my defects of character, which are the problem. Talk to anyone struggling with an addiction, and you will find one of the main root causes that they suffer from is low self-esteem, a lack of self-worth, in many cases, a deep self-loathing and self-hatred that often combines with an inability to forgive oneself. So, in this step, God and you together need to go after 
the defect, the root problem of low self-esteem and unforgiveness that has caused and continues to feed my addiction of choice. Now, obviously, this is not an exercise that is sorted within a day. It will take months, even years. But God will do it because he has promised to. Once again, in the Psalms, it's written, Open up before God, keep nothing back, he'll do whatever needs to be done. Thirdly, recognising the need for change and permitting the change to occur are two very different things. In between those two is a space that the old enemy, fear, is very happy to occupy. And of course, fear, in turn, sets in motion our old dependency on self-control, and before we know it, we are back to step one, denying the problem and pretending we have the power to sort it out, even though we have spent the last two months coming to the conclusion that that is where it all went wrong in the first place. All the steps that we have been looking at so far on this course have been building a foundation on which step six, which has become known as the decisive surrender, rests. This step does not work if we are still trying to operate by our own self-will. We need God's help in everything or we are doomed to failure. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a person remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. And then he finishes with this line, apart from me, you can do nothing. And the sooner we realise that, the sooner we surrender, dump our pride and realise but it's only through this higher power we're going to get out of this hole, the quicker our lives will get better. In uh, one of his disciples, Peter, he, he wrote uh, a couple of letters. And in one of them, uh, Peter writes this, So roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I'm holy. You be holy. For many of us here, our lives have been characterised by a deeply negative self-image. Woven into our fabric are a number of compulsions, obsessions and bad habits. As God begins to remove each one of them, we need to replace them with something positive and healthy. And I would encourage you, if, if you're not already doing so, to involve yourself in an affirming and constructive environment. 
Join an anonymous fellowship. Think about maybe becoming part of a church community. Volunteer to uh, help by serving others in as many ways as possible, either within that church or local-based community projects. Jesus tells this slightly strange story in Matthew. He says this, When a defiling evil spirit is expelled from someone, it drifts along through the desert looking for an oasis, some unsuspecting soul it can bedevil. When it doesn't find anyone, it says, well, I'll go back to my old haunt. And on return, it finds the person spotlessly clean, but vacant. And it then runs out, rounds up seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they all move in, whooping it up. And that person ends up far worse off than if they'd never gotten cleaned up in the first place. Lisa Marie Presley once said, if I'm busy, I tend to stay out of trouble. An idle mind, she says, is the devil's playground. In other words, do things that help you feel good about yourself. When we just sit at home, biding our time, not doing anything in particular, we open ourselves up for those character defects to return. You just think about the, the times when you tend to use. The biggest temptation comes when you're sitting alone at home and you're bored. All you can think about are your own troubles. You begin to get anxious, fearful. And what's the default button we press? I'm going to use something to make myself feel better. And I know from my own personal experience, when I'm out and about and I'm doing things and I'm actively interacting with other people and uh, do it, doing stuff that other people might be finding beneficial, when I'm keeping myself busy, I never ever think about using. It's when all that stops that the temptations begin to come in. So let's finish tonight's session with this question based on this step. Are you entirely ready to have God remove all your defects of character and to have him make whatever changes in your life he sees fit. King David said this in Psalm 51, O loving and kind God, have mercy, have pity on me and take away the awful stain of my transgressions. O wash me, Cleanse me from this guilt. Let me be pure again. It's rather an elaborate way of him saying what many of us are probably thinking tonight. I'm fed up with this way of life. I want it to be different. I want to become something bigger and better than the person I have become. The staggering truth is, is when we give permission to God okay, you can begin changing me. That's exactly what we become. We become something that is bigger and better than the person we've become. We actually become the real me. And that's what I've wanted all my life. I've wanted to become the real me. I'm fed up with the person I am. I want to be different.
Steps six and seven, I think, are the most exciting steps of the whole 12-step program because this is where the really exciting stuff begins. And we begin to change through no effort on our part. But we'll look at that next week. Thanks a lot.